0: to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information please visit ccblackpool.co.uk Today we are continuing in our series looking at encounters with God as we walk through the Gospels, as we look at the Gospels and we look at different men and women just like you and I who Jesus impacts, who Jesus, Jesus walks into their life and by him walking into life the kingdom of heaven breaks in. And remember, the first week we looked at that there was this, there was this servant who Jesus went and asked to do the crazy thing of fill up some hand washing water and present it to his master, and the water turned to wine. And as a, as a result, the kingdom of God broke in. This, the shame and embarrassment was kind of taken away, and the amazing miracle was witnessed by all. Um, week two, we looked at how that a man who was outcast, who was doing life on his own, but was because of life choices, because of the job that he was in, it meant that he was segregated, he was separated from society. But Jesus broke in, he called Levi, he called him his own, and transformed his life. And the the Jesus that Levi met was a Jesus who was so worth following that he he stood up, left his work, left his, his, his money, left everything and followed Jesus. Not only that... He was so, um, so overwhelmed with joy when he met the real Jesus that he wanted everyone he knew to bump into Jesus. So he holds this massive party and invites everyone who's just like him, who's an outcast, just like him, to come and run into Jesus. And what we'll do is, so as you go through the Gospels, as we go through the Gospels, uh, this term, we're going to meet several people just like that, just like men and women, just like you and me, who encounter Jesus and their lives are completely transformed. But sadly, as we're going to see today, with sometimes people see Jesus, they encounter him, but due to pride, due to um, Jesus not acting in the way that they feel that he should act, they see him, but they miss it. And so today we're going to be looking at a group of people called Pharisees. Now, a Pharisee. If you read your New Testament, if you read your, um, if you read the Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, John—you read Acts. You will come across these guys called Pharisees, and these were the religious elite. These were the, the top dogs. These were the, the best of the best. And, and kind of the best ways to know who they were. Okay, if you met a Pharisee, these are the characteristics you'd come across. Okay, they were people who were better than you and they knew that they were better than you and they made sure that you knew that they were better than you and that they knew it okay they believed they weren't really better than you, but they thought that's what that's what they prided themselves upon they were better than you and the reason why that they thought that they were better than you the reason why they acted like they were better than you it's because they had a lot of rules they had a lot of laws they had a lot of um, traditions and guidelines that they kept and they knew that you couldn't you see the Bible, the Bible has, has 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 a lot of rules. If you read the, 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 the new Te- the old testament, especially the first five books, and um, it ha- there's a lot of rules in it. There's a lot of laws and, and these there's six hundred and something plus laws in the old testament and they come from this time of Moses when Moses is leading the, the Israelites out of captivity, leading them to the promised land, and God gives them the all these laws. So basically how to set up this new nation. This new people have set it up for them to be a light, to be a, a source of, of, of light to the nations around, to, to reflect the glory of God to the nations around. And so they they, they, come, they come and they, they go to set up this society and God gives them some guidelines, some rules. And um, what I've been looking at, I've been looking up this week, trying to find out, well, how does that compare to, like, here? You know, how many British laws are there? And the answer is basically Unknown. It is uncountable. I mean, to be, to be honest, I, when I was looking up, it's basically you know, God could have said to Abraham, you know, look, he said, you know, look up to the stars in the sky and count them. You know, that's how numerous your people could be. Okay. He could quite easily say, go and in, go into British law and count how many different laws and regulations there are. Such will the multitude of your people be. I mean, it is unknown how many British laws. There are so it, that, but it, it, you know it, it, I'm sure many of you see come come up on social media every now and then you know the ten craziest laws that exist you know I can't believe these laws still exist um, but so I looked at well, where could I get a, a measuring stick so I went to um, America and I went to the and literally went online um, and I looked at the um, federal laws so the, not the laws that each individual state abides by um, but the laws that govern sorry the laws that govern the whole of the United States that it every state has to abide by now every state might change um, have changes within those laws but basically these laws over overarch them all and there are over three million US federal laws I mean that kind of put 600 into something into kind of insignificance but the whole reason you know when you're and you think actually it's not that hard to get that that much because when you think of everything that we just do, and all the things, there's big laws, you know, that we know, you know, about, you know, murdering or, you know, having to drive at a speed limit or things like that. But then there's, like, things that, laws that you know because you work at a certain job and you know you're not allowed to do certain things in your job or whatever. Well, this is, so you can think, see how these laws kind of stack up. But ultimately, the, the Bible, the biblical laws, as Jesus says himself, he says, when someone comes to him and says, what is the most important law? Jesus says you know, it's to love God and not or or secondly it says love God and to love people as yourself. And basically what, what he says is that ultimately, and Paul puts this in his letters by saying that, that if you if you love people, then you've fulfilled the law. And what he's saying is that actually that that there are there is all these laws in the Old Testament, but ultimately what they're getting at, what they're working out of them is, is how you can better love God and love people. Now what the Pharisees did is they took these laws and they made more of them and more of them and more of them. They kind of ring-fenced some some places and made laws to make sure you didn't break the laws that they made to protect the laws that God had put down. And sometimes you get so far away from what God actually said, you know, what God actually said is kind of a pale dot in the distance. And like I said, what they would do is they would judge you On whether you managed to keep not just God's law, but whether you managed to keep their laws. And so if you were an upcoming teacher, if you were a a person of importance, they were on you. They were watching you. And this is what we see with Jesus. And so what we're going to see today is that Jesus breaks one of their laws. And actually does this lots of times. But the one that kind of sticks out a lot, especially in Luke's Gospel, so we're going to be in Luke chapter 6... What sticks out in Luke's Gospel a lot is Jesus breaking their Sabbath law. So I'm going to read two stories from Luke chapter six, and um, we are going to um, talk about about how, how how Jesus how Jesus basically goes about breaking their laws. And, um, and so let's pray, and then let's get into Luke chapter six. So Lord Jesus, I want to thank you, God, for speaking to us in worship. God, I want to thank you that you are good. God, and I want to thank you that as we, I want to ask you that as we hear this word right now, as I speak, Jesus, that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit, you would speak to us, God, and if there's, if there's things, if there's ways, if there's traditions, if there's rules that we have for ourselves that are stopping us from encountering you, God, I pray that you give us the humility to set them down. Yeah. God, if there's, God, if, if, I pray, God, that we, as Claire's just brought, Lord, God, we would be able to see you at work. Even when you're not doing what we want you to be doing, or what you're doing, what we we believe you should be doing. God, I pray, God, that we'd be able to praise you, be able to worship you, and see you with eyes that see what you are doing, rather than miss you, because you're not acting, you're not obeying the ways that we believe that you should be acting. God, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Right, so, Luke, chapter 6. What earth is just happening? Okay. So. It says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So let's just stop there. Okay, so Jesus is out one day, and he's walking with his friends, and they're walking down the road. And basically, the roads were such that the fields, there was no fences or... or Um, of hedgerows. The fields would have just kind of encroached. So when the the crop was in full um, was was fully grown, it would kind of encroach onto the road. And these guys, they were hungry, so they'd just take a bit and they'd rub it together and they'd eat it, which was perfectly lawful in the Sabbath Sabbath rules. They were perfectly allowed to do it. The Sabbath allowed you to eat if you were poor on, on, on the Sabbath. Okay? Now, um but what 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 we see here is even though the sabbath rules the biblical god's sabbath rules allowed them to do this the pharisees laws didn't in fact by t- taking a bit of grain rubbing it together and putting it in their mouth they have just broken four of the pharisees rules okay no biblical rules none of god's rules but they've been broken four of the of the the the, the Bible of well, four of the Pharisees rules, and so they are very cross. I mean, I, for, secondly, like as I was reading this, I was thinking, like, where are these guys? Okay, I mean, they're, they're they're watching to see if Jesus messes up. I mean, he is just walking, doing his business, just just walking around with his friends on on the Sabbath. And, and they're, they're hungry, and they take some corn. I mean, where are they? I mean, are these, I picture these guys kind of in the cornfields, kind of ducking down, you know, and then it's just like, every now and then, like, where are you, Jesus? Okay, that's what you And, and up, up they come again. No, he's not doing anything. And then up, it, oh, wait a minute. Oh, he's doing something dodgy now. Oh, now we're gonna go, all right, Jesus, I don't think you're doing exactly how you should be doing them, okay? Right, mean, I, I forget about working on the Sabbath. That, that sounds like more work than anything else. Um, But anyway, so Jesus very graciously confronts them. And he says, this is Jesus answered them, have you never read? Now this is brilliant, okay? If you ever, when you read the Gospels, when you read Jesus speak, and he speaks to people named Pharisees, teachers, scribes, and he says, have you never read? Right, these are people who knew their Old Testaments off by heart. These are people who spent years memorizing it, These are people who could just, who you could say, I mean, they didn't have numbers, but you could say, tell me Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse three, and they just go, like that. I mean, I can't, I don't know if anyone else can, but they they just could, okay? So Jesus, this is like the biggest kind of backhanded insult. I I can imagine saying to these guys, have you never read? And so he says, have you never read? Which would have gotten well upset. But anyway, um, what David did, when he and his companions were hungry, he entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful, only for the priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So basically, he just kind of answers their, their, um, their questioning, which is saying, basically, there's this, there's this, this law that... that what, what happened in the Old Testament was that the, the priests, they would put this, this bread... Out, and it was consecrated. It was for God. This bread they put it out every week, and they'd leave it there. And David, in one of the stories about David, he's on the run. Him and his men, and they are hungry. And they come to the priest and like, please, could you feed us? We have nothing. We're starving. We need. We need something to eat. Have you got anything? And the priest like, I'm sorry, I've only got the consecrated bread. And David basically asks him, well, can we have that? And the priest priest's question, answer is not that. No, it said he says. Basically, have you broken God's law? Are you are you holy? Have you kept yourselves um, pure? And David says, "Yes, we, we've done that." So he lets them eat. And Jesus, is basically saying that that actually, look, in your eyes, in your rules, this guy David, who you hold up so so highly, he's an awful sinner. So what it, it, it he kind of it kind of picks them apart with that, and then he kind of trumps it all by saying, "Well, anyway, I am the Lord and Sabbath." I gave you the Sabbath. So before we continue any further, I just want to go into just quickly, what is the Sabbath? Because this is a thing that he picked Jesus in, picked Jesus' brain over time and time and time again. And for, 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 for those of you who don't know, the Sabbath kind of comes from um, the, the, the um, creation story. In the Hebrew word is Shabbat, which, which means to stop. To cease, and it comes from you know day one God worked day two God worked three four five six they worked day seven God Shabbat He ceased from working, and again going back to Moses it was it was this thing of actually they, this was a people who had been a slave people who had worked every day there wasn't there was no difference from yesterday to today to tomorrow you worked you were you worked for nothing you worked for your slave masters you did what they said they do and God said no in my new community you are going to have rest. I'm gonna give you a day where you don't need to worry about having to go to market, having to go to, to your fields, having to, to, to do whatever, but I'm gonna give you a day where you can rest. And what that meant was spending time with your family, spending time with your friends, and spending time in his presence. And, uh, and for a people, I mean, I hope you can imagine, I mean, we, we just tend to have at least two days off a week, don't we, so like one day off it seems a bit like, oh, okay, there's only one day. But, but just imagine, okay, you don't get to stop working. Any day you have to work, you have to, you have to work, you have to go to the office every single day of every single week of every of, of the year. And then God says to you, every seven days you get to do nothing. You can just enjoy life. You can just you can just be. Be with your friends, be with me, be 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 with your family. And for the first people to hear this, they would be like, wow, that's amazing. A kind of, kind of, kind of topical for us at the moment. You know, that this, this, this really, this is like. I think this is just like a birthday cake. Okay, um, this comes from. It's Elsie Grace's, our daughter's, um, birthday this week, and so she, she has, she has cake. She has, you know, there's things, there's treats and stuff, and it's kind of like saying to to a to a six year old, it's your birthday, you get to get cake. It's like, wow, yes, I love cake. Who doesn't like cake? I want. Cake. I'll have as much cake as I can get. But the Pharisees then get hold of this idea, and what the Pharisees have a fine art of doing is turning yes to oh, It's like it's a Sabbath. Ah, oh, it's a Sabbath. So it's, it's like it's
1: like cake. Like I said, it's like
0: so. It's like birthday cake is for. It's like an amazing, wonderful thing that kids love. But it's like if the Pharisees got a hold of that. I imagine they'd probably do something like this. Okay, so it's your birthday, and now you get to eat cake. But we have to put some rules in place because we cannot have uncontrolled fun. So, you at two p.m. shall light the birthday, light candles which are on the birthday cake, which equal the number of years that you have been alive. At 2.01, you shall blow the candles out. If you do not blow the candles out, the cake is not allowed to be consumed. At 2.03, you will remove all candles from the cake that have been blown out, and you may cut the cake up for everyone to eat. By 2.06, the cake must be consumed, or and there will be no more cake eating. The cake must be consumed by a fork, not a spoon, not your fingers, and if any falls on the floor, you are not allowed to pick up. There is no 10 second, five five second, whatever second rule that you have in your family, you may never, it is void, it is done, it is put in the bin. If you have not consumed the entire cake, by 2.06, the cake must go in the bin, there is no seconds, there is none for lunchboxes tomorrow and by the way, the cake must be plain, the cake must be bland, there must be no sprinkles, there must be no 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 collage on top, there must be no fancy stuff on top, it must be a plain cake because otherwise how on earth are we meant to know whether it's a cake or not? Happy birthday, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what they do, they kill joys killjoys. kill joys there. And what we find here, is, like I said, is that, that, that Jesus doing what was good by his hungry his hungry friends eating, the Pharisees say that he broken for their laws. And let me just tell you, if Jesus starts to break, see, sorry, Jesus isn't breaking God's law, he's breaking the Pharisees' law. And if Jesus starts to break our laws, let me tell you, we're in trouble. If we find Jesus is breaking our laws, we are in trouble. Let me say, does Jesus break any of your laws? Now, laws is probably the wrong word to use. Probably more traditions, ways of living, life choices. See, if we find that Jesus is, if we read scripture and we see that Jesus is, starts to, is breaking our traditions, our, our, our life choices, let me tell you, We're not the ones in the right. Jesus isn't the one in the wrong. You see, we are in trouble. You see, there's many times, actually, I'm going to just let the Holy Spirit kind of just rest and see if he kind of points some things out to you. But, you know, in Scripture, there's many things, actually, that happen, that, that show that that Jesus starts to break people's rules. Firstly is, is, um, we see over and over and over again, okay? The rules that these people have, the rules that these Jewish people had, it was you are not to mix with un-Jewish people. You're not allowed to mix with un-Jewish people. You're not allowed to mix with tax collectors and prostitutes and whatever. Who does Jesus spend his time with? He spends his time with tax collectors and prostitutes and people they just deem as sinners. And so they're saying, to be a good Jew, to be a good Christian... You are not to live, spend time with them. Oh wait a minute! But Jesus is. You know, and I'm not saying anyone here does this, but there have been Christian movements in the past which have said to be a good Christian, you need to not spend time with people of the world, people who aren't believers, because you will get infected by them. You will start to live, you will start to forsake God and live like them. And you think, oh wait a minute! But what you're te- what you're saying makes a good Christian to live on your own, to not spend time with the lost. That's what Jesus did. And if you're in the wrong, or is it Jesus in the wrong? Well, there's only one answer there. You know, the, you know, Peter, he gets in trouble, doesn't he? He, start, he, he, he pulls back from meeting with, with Roman citizens because it, he's worried what people are going to think about him. He's saying, no, I'm a good Jewish person. I've never eaten this sort of food or gone these sort of places. That's because Jew, good Jewish people, good Christians, don't eat this sort of food. They don't go and spend time with these sort of people. And Jesus is saying, no. No. I would. I do. So whose, whose, whose rules, whose traditions are you going to follow? See, I'm not saying that rules, guidelines, traditions aren't aren't good. Actually, they are good. We need them. We need them. We need, we need many of them. You know, actually, you know, God God, God has, has, has many different ways that we can live and and he, He's put good, he says that a good ruler. Is God is is, is a blessing, um, but when we start to put our traditions above Jesus, we're in trouble. Okay, and most of the time we don't even realise. Let me say, if you're if you're single, these are things that you might find really hard because the biggest life change you will ever get if this happens to you, the biggest um, in your face that you actually do have traditions, you do have those because most of us just go, well, we just live life, I just live life, how everyone lives life, and then you get married. And then you realise, even if you marry someone who's from the same country as you, from the same kind of culture as you, you realise, oh, people do things differently to me. You know, you have this way, you know, this is what you did for Christmas. This is what you did at growing. This is how your daily, um, your weekly uh, cycle went. And then you marry someone and you're like, oh, they're from a family that they did diff- had a wee- different weekly cycle. They did different things for birthdays and, and Christmases. And then these two, two worlds come together and you end up calling lunch, dinner, and dinner, tea. And you, 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 you realize that actually, because this is what's so important actually, that when, when you get married, that these two worlds have to die for you, your your own traditions, your own family to, to thrive. And it's not a bad thing, but it's just a realization that it's different. But once we start saying, this is right, this is how everyone should live, we start to get into a problem. And actually, what we find here is that sometimes our traditions, and I think what we brought this morning is that sometimes our ideas of how God should act can blind us to seeing him when he does act. So again, our traditions sometimes can blind us our ideas of how God should act can blind us to seeing him actually act. And we're going to see this about the Pharisees in the next bit, in Luke um, 6-11. It says, On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue, that's Jesus, and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. I mean, how awful are these guys, okay? How awful? They're, 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 they've got this guy who's who needs who needs healing, and they're watching. They're there. They're not there to listen to what Jesus is saying. They're not there to listen to teaching. They're watching, to see. Will Jesus break our rules? See, it wasn't legal to heal on the Sabbath. It wasn't. You know, I'd love to see healing any day of the week. But they're going... Jesus heals today. He breaks another one of our rules. And we're going to really cross with him. And Jesus, by the way, who knows what they're thinking. Jesus knows everything that we're thinking. And so if you're in a room with Jesus, just be careful what you think. Because these guys are thinking evil thoughts. And it says, says, he says, and he said to the man, Jesus again, with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or do evil, to save life or destroy it? He looked around at them all, and then he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he did, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Not Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This man who had a shriveled hand, this man who who couldn't work probably, this man who who, who was struggling to pay his his bills because he couldn't work because he had this hand that didn't work has now been healed. He can now... uh, No. Jesus just acted in a way I did not want him to. What What an awful God Jesus is. You see, lots of people here, and when we talk about the Pharisees, Quite often we can portray them as these kind of evil panto characters. You know, they come on stage and you boo and you hiss. And they're awful, wicked people. You know, I'm looking at this this week. I feel really sorry for them. I feel really sorry for them. They, they get to see Jesus in all his, in, in, in his, his compassion. In, 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 his, in his miraculous, doing with the miraculous. They see him heal people. They see heaven literally break in before their eyes, and the sick are made well. But because of their traditions, because of their ways of doing life, they miss it. They miss it. You see, the rules and the lifestyle that the Pharisees had, they meant that they missed Heaven breaking out. Heaven broke out. Heaven was there. Jesus was right in front of them and they missed it. And this is a real encouragement again to remember in our suffering, in our mental, in our physical, and our financial suffering, and whatever else you may be going through. Just because we pray, and it's good to pray, God, heal me, God, God, mend me, God, fix me, God, fix this situation. If God doesn't, or just because he doesn't, it doesn't mean his kingdom isn't here. His kingdom isn't at work. But the trouble is that if we get so fixated on God, why have you not fixed me? Why have you not healed me? Why have you not fixed this situation? Therefore, you haven't been here. We miss the fact that, as Claire said, actually the sheer fact that you're not under means that he is here. Seeing him in the, in the everyday shows that he is at work. You see, there are are many rules and regulations, like I said, that that, that God puts in place and and they all come under this overarching thing of loving God and loving people. And there are many things in the Bible which I'd say are closed hands. This is what God says is good and proper. This is what God wants, this is what God desires. Don't murder, don't hate. No, um, he says, he says, don't steal. You know, sex is for a, a, a loving um, in between a loving marriage marital relationship. He says, love one another. But when we go, this is how you love, and there's no other way. We get in trouble. You know, actually, open-handed way is actually there's that we can we can love people by giving to them. We can love people by serving them. We can love people by by feeding them. We can love people by being there by listening to them. But we're not to go, this is what works for me, so therefore this is what everyone has to do. If you don't do it this way, you're not very loving. We're told to study, to grab hold of his words, but actually open-handed is, well, do you do that in group? Do you do that on your own? Do you use internet material? Do you go to a school? That's, however, whatever works for you might not work for others, and so we don't say, this is the most important thing, worship! you sing in English? Do you sing in another language? Do you sing in tongues? Do you you draw? Do you dance? It doesn't doesn't matter. What God says is, worship me. You're here to worship. But how we do that is open. You see, when we we become like Pharisees, when we make these open-handed things, close-handed. So let me ask you, what lifestyle changes? What lifestyle changes? choices traditions do you have that might be stopping you from seeing the kingdom in your life seeing the kingdom break in missing the kingdom break in i mean there's there's millions that i could give but um, uh, but what, what i want to, to but one of the things we've been talking about time and time again um over this, this series and what we'll continue to talk about is is hospitality inviting people into your homes Okay, when I say, do you want to have people in your homes? Everyone, I'm sure, would say, yes. Yes, I do want people in my homes. I do want heaven to break in in my home, around my kitchen table. But sometimes our traditions, our lifestyle choices can mean that we want that, but we're never going to see that. Because our mindset is, well, to have someone in my home, my house needs to be perfectly tidy. And you have young children. And so the two just never marry up. Or maybe it's, to have someone over, I need to be able to cook a five course meal that is, that is the best food, that's fully organic, that, is, that, is, that, that everyone is going to talk about for months. And maybe you did that once, and it was so much hard work, you never did it again. It, or whatever. Let, let me say, actually, if those, thi- those things are good, it's good to want to do great meals, it's good to want to have a tidy house. But if those things are stopping you, or whatever your thing is, from bringing people in your home, then maybe let's have a mindset choice that says it doesn't matter how tidy my house is, or my house is in boxes. Why don't you come round anyway? I've only got a cup of tea. Do you know what? I've not even got anything. I've not even got anything herbal that Ben can drink. It's okay. I can bring my own. No, it's, it's absolutely fine. We have friends in Lancaster who, before we went herbal, you know, they, they, he just brought a, like a, a berry tea with him everywhere he went. He just had one in his pocket, because he wanted to go to your house, but he knew that most people just have coffee and tea. It's okay. What I'm saying is, it's more important, if we want God to come and God's kingdom to break into our households, we need people there. And if we say people can't come because a house isn't tidy enough or we don't have the right kind of food in people aren't going to come you know the water turns into wine because the servant grabbed the water and took it to his master if we say well it's only water i've got i've got no wine god can't use that well he's not but if we say i've got an untidy house but I, it has i have a roof i have some space it's not much space but someone's you're welcome to come and have a cup of tea god can break into those moments do you want God to break into your, your households? Do you want God to come and meet with people at your kitchen table, in your lounge? It's not rhetorical. Do you want God to come and meet with you, meet with people in your house? Do you? Yeah. But it can be difficult, can't it? It can be difficult sometimes to, to change these lifestyle changes. We can think... We can, uh, we, we're going we're to have um, a guy called Graham come next month on the seventh of November, and he's going to preach. He's going to preach the gospel. And he's a great gospel preacher. And let me say, if you've got anyone, you know anyone who, who you think would love to come to church, who wants to hear the gospel, bring them along. But a mindset choice can also be: someone really wants. I've got the opportunity to share the gospel with this person. I can do it now, or. You could miss the opportunity and think, no, 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 that's for someone like Ray, who's really good at preaching the gospel. You know what I'm saying? Invite them along, but also, if you get the opportunity, heaven could break out right then. You know, it can be just like learning to drive. For those of you who have um, who who've learned to drive, you know, you, you spend ages kind of learning the clutch and the accelerator, don't you? And you, you spend, the, you know, you get ages, you go on a hill, you take the handbrake off, you try and keep the car still, and you're going backwards and forwards, and you're burning the clutch at one end, and you're over-revving, and whatever, and then eventually you feel like you've got it, and you pull up to you pull up with your driving structure to traffic lights, and the lights go green and you stop. And then they go red, and then they go green, and then they go red, and people start getting really angry and cross behind you. But you're, you're just like, I'm not just a learner, but eventually you get it, you get it, and you're able to drive, and you don't even think about your left foot. You just drive, yeah, you might have a bump every now and then, or you might still, you know, I've still somehow, you know, last year, I still going downhill in a diesel. I don't even know how that's possible. But it, you do it sometimes. But the idea is it's the same thing. Once we get into, the, when, the more we start making these mind choice things of actually, no, I want to see heaven break in, so therefore I'm gonna do this choice, which is uncomfortable, rather than having my tidy house. At first, it can be stutter and stop and go. But actually, eventually, it can be good. You get just This is just naturally what I do. And finally, finally, let's ask for opportunities to rejoice. Yes. You see, I want to see heaven break in. I want to see God do stuff. But sometimes God does stuff, as we've been reminded this morning, that we didn't expect him to do. And if we're like the Pharisees, we'll miss it. We'll be too concerned with our own agendas, too concerned with what God should be doing. Where actually He's healing a man with a withered hand right in front of our eyes and we miss it. You know, classic between churches is if someone sees someone saved and think, well, you know, but theology is pretty dodgy, isn't it? Have you heard what music they listen to? No. We should be going. Oh, thank God that they, someone was saved in that church. Despite what they believe, despite that God can use that. And actually, I want to see God work. And we, we can do that individually, can't we? Oh, they saw someone saved. They had God break in. They saw God ask their prayers. But God, they're like this. No, we rejoice and say, actually, despite those things, God is good. God is good. You see, we constantly have a choice. Whether it's to open our home, whether it's to rejoice in what God's doing, or what we see him doing. We constantly have a choice to submit ourselves to our own laws, our own traditions, our own ways of doing things, which ultimately end up in us missing out. Or, we submit to what Jesus is doing. And this is a constant thing. We never get to a point of going, well I know what Jesus is doing, I'm okay. As soon as we start thinking like that, we can move back into here, and we're in trouble constantly having to think, choose, to surrender our thoughts, to surrendering our ways of doing, to how Jesus wants us to act in each and every situation. And when we do that, that's when we see the kingdom of heaven break in. Very good. I'm going to pray. So, Lord Jesus, I ask you right now, I ask you right now, I pray, God, God, that you would, you give us eyes, each one of us, you give us eyes to see what you're doing God, you give us eyes to see where you're moving. God, you'd give us eyes to see what, where you're doing the miraculous, where you're, you're sustaining, where you're sustaining a soul, where you're, 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 um, you're being there, you're listening. God, give us eyes that see. God, give us eyes to see in our own lives where we are making choices, where, we're making, where our traditions, our, where our upbringing is hindering us. From doing what you want us to do. God, and that's different for every single one of us. God, and I pray, Jesus, that you'd give us tongues to praise you, to speak when we see, God, tongues that praise you and thank you when we see that you are at work. God, tongues that, prank, that thank you, God, sometimes that thank you before we see you at work. God, tongues that thank you and, and, and act when we get opportunities. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that we would not be like the teachers and Pharisees in this story, who, though you were in their midst, doing the miraculous, doing the amazing, they missed out because you weren't doing it the right way, according to them. God, come, have your way. Mold us, change us. Lord God, God we're, we're ready, God, and we say we want to do things your way, not the way that we've always done them. God, come, use us, use our households, use our friends. But come, come, bring your kingdom. Let heaven break into our lives. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads, and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.co.